You're listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we work to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear the good news about the person and work of Jesus and as we scatter to share it. We hope that you enjoy. Hello, Anchored Baptist Church, my dear brothers and sisters. Let's uh, hear the word of the Lord together this morning. James chapter 1, verses 18 to 27. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, Ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in the mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he is. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks he is righteous without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Amen. (laughs) Jumping back to verse 18 from last week, we can be comforted that according to God's desire for you, His will for you, by His choice, you have been made new by the word of truth. Your Jesus has made you new. Now, Christian, because that is true, you must understand this, James says. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anchor. Be quick to listen. To what? Slow to speak about what? And slow to anger. Why? (laughs) Commanded in an even more simple way, speak less, listen more, and try not to get angry. It might remind you of, you have one mouth and two ears. It means you should be doing twice as much listening as speaking. Or what I would probably end up saying, don't speak like a fool. Humble yourself and learn something. And humility is important also because this idea of listening more than talking here in James and in this passage in particular is closely tied to the word of God in these verses. Look at verse 18 or 21 or 22. These verses are surrounded, this this command is surrounded by these verses to dwell in God's word, to hear it, to listen, and to obey it, and to receive it, and believe it. But you know what? Before we go any further, 
let's try to get a big idea to guide us through the rest of the text today. Receive the word of God. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And know that you have been saved to something. Receive the word of God. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And know that you have been saved to something. And we're focusing on that first part right now. Receive the word of God. That is, believe it is true. It also means believe that you're not living up to it. And that as James reminds us, we should always be ready to repent. Verse 19, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and what? Slow to anger. Don't be angry, you may ask. Oh, no, you're you're not asking that question. You're a good person, you say. Well, let me ask the question on our behalf. Why should I not be angry? I like being angry. Me personally, gets my blood pumping. It's my brain firing on all cylinders. It refreshes me. It makes me quick. I think it makes me funny. Some people say it makes me mean. So why must I not be angry? We could get some pithy little quotes and statements. Well, because angry people make angry people. Because anger will rot out your heart. Because anger will make you a generally disagreeable person with age, and it will cause you to be bitter and turn you into a victim for the rest of your life. Now, all those things are true in some way or another, but the answer that James gives us is both far more simple and yet harder to understand. Your anger, my anger, unless it is perfectly just and righteous, does not work out in us the kind of new life that God desires for us. Worldly anger does not accomplish God's righteousness in you, James tells us. Why? Well, my anger, your anger, our anger, typically does not flow from a place of understanding that we are a forgiven people who are supposed to be preaching the forgiveness of Christ to our neighbors and practicing that forgiveness in our own lives. Can we be angry? Well, you will be. I hope for the right reasons. Injustice, brokenness in the world, realizing that sin has a hold on your life, or maybe the ways that you've been sinned against and the way that clings to you these are good and legitimate reasons to be angry paul in ephesians chapter 4 verses 24 to 27 has this to say and put on the new self he, he's talking to christians now much like james is doing and he's saying look you have a new self you have been recreated start acting like it <laughs> put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You have a true righteousness and holiness. His name is Jesus. And Paul is saying, put on that righteousness and that holiness, that new self. 
He continues, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry, do not sin. Oh, great. I will be angry, and then I will not sin. But Paul knows how this usually goes, and he continues. Okay, look. You're going to be angry. You're probably going to sin. But don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't keep sinning, right? Okay, perfect. That's a good rule to follow, Paul. Thank you so much. Why, though? And give no opportunity to the devil. When we allow ourselves to be unforgiving, despite the fact that we have been forgiven, we leave a foothold for the devil. And he's more than happy to waltz his way right through the door. Paul and James both are encouraging us here to be slow to anger. Why? Well, we have to be slow to anger for a couple of reasons. One, it, it hurts our witness when we're quick to anger, right? It hurts those people around us. But it also gives the devil the ability to walk right into our lives and to start using our own anger and our own sin as a as a, a crutch in our lives and to push us more and more towards that sin and push us further and further away from Christ. Let's move forward in the text just a little bit. So after you've been listening more than talking and after you've not been allowing your anger or the outrage of this world to get the best of you, James has something interesting to say in verse 21. Then, having rid yourself of all moral filth and evil, humble yourselves. Now, it's really interesting that James goes straight there because we haven't actually addressed much sin. What all moral evil is he talking about? Is he talking about some of the, the low-hanging fruit, you know, the heavy drinking and adultery and gambling and all the things that, yeah, they probably are on James's mind. They're on your and I's mind as well. Um, those things are certainly included. But very interesting here, this is in relationship to how we are listening how we are speaking, and whether or not we are acting well in this world. So the, the filthiness and the, the uh, evil that's all over and clinging to us here, uh, James is saying, look, after you've gotten all of that out of the way, which that's a pretty crazy thing to say, how in the world will we get all of that out of the way? Well, he tells us, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save you. He says, repent, <laughs> turn from it, turn to Christ instead. Humbly receive the implanted word. That is the word that has been and is being planted in you. Jesus himself, whom you have been united to through the power of of the Holy Spirit, James says, he is able to save you. And interestingly enough here, the word save here is, is actually kind of a, a mix of a couple of different 
bigger ideas as it comes to salvation. The first of which is, just generally speaking, the fact that you have been saved by Christ. But then also, the saving of your souls, he uses this word soul here, uh, not because we're trying to shake off the skin and bones and, uh, you know, escape this meat puppet that we're trapped inside of. No, James seems to be using this word soul here to show a fuller picture of who you are, okay, and what salvation means for you. And, and so this salvation is that Jesus has saved you in the here and in the now. But then it's also that it is through this word and through the, the hearing of God's good law <laughs> that you are going to be, in essence, kind of saved in this world that your witness would be saved by hearing God's law and, and applying it to your lives. Um, it also means that you are uh, going to be living differently and in a way that God desires for you in the here and now. And in that, there is a blessing. But then lastly, it's also a promise. It's the promise that on the last day you are safe and saved. And James uses that word soul here and then uh, a, a little bit of a funny play on the word save to, to do um, and, and show you all of these ways that you have been and are being saved. Verse 22, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. James here is going to continue giving us plenty of warnings, and he's going to continue to give us and show us plenty of law that we can hold up in front of ourselves. And here, James compares someone, this is how he describes someone who's deceiving themselves. It's that the word of God, the law of God, is held up in front of them like a mirror, and they say, yeah, yeah, no, I look pretty good. <laughs> it actually reminds me of the rich young ruler when he's talking to Jesus and he comes and he says, what must I do to be saved? Which always cracks me up, right? I mean, what must I do to save myself is what the rich young ruler says. And so Jesus lifts off, lists off some commands for him. And he says, oh, those old things? Ah, oh, yeah. I've done those since I was young. Don't you have something 2.0 for me? Don't you have something else that I can do? And Jesus says, well, if you love the law so much, then yeah, here's a law for you. Go and get rid of everything that you have. Sell it, sell it all off. And he walked away sad because he was very rich, right? Um, this is what the rich young ruler does. He he walks in front of the mirror of God's law, God's word, and he says, Yeah, yeah, no, I think I'm I'm doing pretty well. He's immediately forgotten who he is in relationship to God's law. This is someone that lies to themselves. But, verse 25, The one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. 
what was our big idea again? Receive the word of God. That was number one. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is a phrase stolen from Paul, but it's what James is encouraging us to do here. He's encouraging us to look into the law and to realize that the law has been fulfilled for us. We are set free from having to try to think about the law as a salvation plan that we need to be uh, moving step after step, rung after rung of the ladder and climbing up. Instead, we get to look at the law and say to ourselves, we have been given this law as a guide to better love our neighbor. James says, if we persevere in that, and we're not a forgetful hearer, that is, let's not go back to the way that we once were, constantly thinking that we need to save ourselves by what we are doing, and lie to ourselves by saying, yeah, I look pretty good in relationship to God's law. My life, it, it's suited. I, I I think that I've done everything that I can do. No, we can now be honest with ourselves. We can persevere in that law of freedom. We can keep pushing forward. And we can know that we will be blessed in what it is that we are doing because it is something that God has called us to. Then in verse 26, if anyone thinks he is, a re he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Control your tongue is what James tells us. Uh, in fact, um, depending on your translation, it might say bridle your tongue. It's the picture of a horse with that bit in their mouth, right? Or the, the cover on their nose and face. And it, it's... It's keeping them from doing things that they shouldn't be doing right then and there. It's guiding them. It's directing them. And James says, unless we're like that horse, then our religion is useless. All of our words will go against everything that we do. And again, we're going to be lying to ourselves. Instead, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. There's a couple of ways that you could get stained by the world um, when it comes to looking around at all the needs and at all your neighbors and thinking, I've got to obey everything that's in this verse. I'm going to go out. I'm going to get it done. And one of the things that can happen is that you can totally walk away from the good news of Jesus and once again go back and be holding the law up and say, yes, I'm doing exactly what I've been told to do. Another thing that could go wrong is that you can get totally burnt out on doing this. And you can serve everyone in your life and then one day your life just explodes because you haven't been taking care of yourself or you can ignore this part of it you can decide to keep yourself unstained by the world by not entering into the world at all but james tells us pure and undefiled religion before god the father is to go out and to do this and to do it within this law of freedom 
The beginning of verse 27 is very interesting to me. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this. I don't know about you, but there's very little that I have ever done that I would look at and say, it's totally pure. There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) What is the pure and undefiled part of our religion? Eh? What makes us be able to go before the throne of God, to go before God the Father? What, what does he look at in us and says, that is pure and undefiled? He looks at his own son, Jesus, right? And he says, that's good. Christian, you and I need that implanted word. We need to approach God's word humbly and and willing to set aside all of our fast talk (laughs) and instead be quick to listen to the word. Slow to speak, slow to anger, Because that does not accomplish God's righteousness in us. What does? Jesus does. We need to humbly turn away from all of that. We need to repent and receive Jesus. That that implanted word gives us a new birth. That word of truth that gives us a new birth and makes us a new kind of creature, right? That makes us new. We need to receive the word of God. We need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And we need to also know that we're not just saved from ourselves and sin and Satan and death and hell, but we are saved to something. God has called us into this world to live according to this perfect law of freedom and to keep on going in it knowing that we cannot simply be hearers, but that we must also be doers. And yet we have the comfort of knowing that God blesses what he puts in front of us to do. Paul says that we have been given good works so that we might walk in them. Christian, know that as we read James's letter, that he is calling you out. That he's calling you out to be a part of this world and to work in it and to do good work. And yet also know that everything that is required of you in the book of James, God gives to you. And namely, he gives what you need in the person and work of Jesus. The only pure and undefiled one who died on the cross for you, whose blood has made you right with God the Father. God, we ask that you would guard our tongues, guard our ears, guard our hearts, give work into our hands. And God, we ask that each and every day we would rest in and rely upon Jesus only for our salvation. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.
Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.